Hello, everyone, and welcome to Reliving the Extreme. This week on Reliving the Extreme, we are discussing the episode of ECW from February the 27th, 1996. Nate Maxson here, along with my brother Aaron. Hello. Yes, like I said, said did, I think I said February. I might have said, yeah, I don't know what I said, but I meant February 27th, 1996. I don't know if it was a if it was on your peacock or not, but according to my peacock, it said it was uh, February 27th, 2021. <laughs> I didn't catch it. I have to, I have to, yeah. I'll, I, I have to look. I got to look now. Um, one thing, one note while I'm looking to see if mine says the same thing. Cause that's interesting. And it was the me. only one that was off. It just said 2021. I'm like, all right. <laughs> that's some new ass ECW, man. <laughs> And I'm looking now, and yes, it does. It says February 27th, <laughs> 2021. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> uh, one note that I took. Have you noticed the past couple of episodes? Because I think they, obviously, they were all taped during Cyber Slam 96, the past couple we've been watching. Have you noticed that they have, that they, I think, just, I don't know, they have Philadelphia cops in attendance, like for yeah. the first time on camera. One thing I noted down here, Philly cops look like gimmick cops. Like their outfit doesn't look like it's real a real cop outfit. It looks like it's like a gimmick cop outfit. Like it's so outlandish. Like they look like like Nazi SS soldiers or something with like jack boots and a thick leather jacket and the, the yeah, hat. And you'll know and you'll notice it's gonna be that same guy, the same main guy the entire time. Cause I'm like I always that cop always stood out to me because he's like always there. Like he's the ECW cop. I'm sure he's <laughs> probably like friends with one of the guys and probably a fan of the business and just did because 90% of the time when those guys are doing that, they're not even like on duty. Know, like that's their yeah, that's their side hustle or whatever. But yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. It looked yeah, like a so- cop in a video game. <laughs> a cop from a video game or a movie or something yeah like like uh, he's way too cop <laughs> but the show starts here the episode that we watched of ecw tv with a recap of last week all the shit that went down with raven and the bruise brothers turning on tommy dreamer and um later on don't worry folks we are going to get um community theater acting tommy dreamer at the end of the show but um, yeah, they recap all the stuff with um, with the Bruce brothers turning their back on Tommy, and then we get a Raven with. I actually thought this was funny. The Raven and the Bruce brothers promo. Um, essentially, Raven saying, "I don't know why you thought these guys would ever be loyal to you, Tommy," and blah 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 blah. I didn't write down any verbiage, but the uh, <laughs> the the punchline is. You know, why would they side with me? And then they pan out the camera and there's Kimona just standing there with her tits out and the Bruce brother just yeah. staring at her. It, I don't know. I just found it kind of funny. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's realistic. Like, you want to hang out with Tommy Dreamer and his pregnant girlfriend or me and this chick? <laughs> this 20-year-old Vietnamese girl that'll show you her honkers and say, all right. But and, it just, I don't know. It was, the, I think the funniest thing to me about it was like the Bruce Brothers 
didn't cut this any is kind Theron. of yeah they didn't, <laughs> they didn't cut any kind of promo or anything they were just staring at Komoda like yeah we're good we're good we don't have to say anything <laughs> and um not really a funny note but it's it's funny looking back and watching it now like the eclectic group of because like when you think about it you think of like you think about like Stevie and Meanie you know and Kimona and that's like mm -hmm. that's the nest but when you look at how big the nest was and all the different people that were in it and like it's kind of like the time that Raven was there it was like he was like a territory manager you know what yeah. I mean like these guys aren't like, gonna be the these guys are only coming in for three months, so let's stick them with Raven. He was like, he was like, dude. it was like if 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 Jimmy Hart would have also wrestled in Memphis, yeah, or like Captain Lou out, or, or like a Captain Lou, or or whoever in the in the WWF. You know, it's like the heel is the guy that sticks around, and we just cycle in these these people, and that's kind of how Raven was. Like we're not gonna have him forever, so let's just stick him with Raven. And he can beat up Tommy, you know that type of thing. I I didn't realize it until like a couple like a couple episodes ago, and I'm like, ah, I want to flesh out my thought and make sure I'm not sounding dumb. But that's that's what it seems like to me, anyway. Well, and because and it's the same way with me though. I pick up on a lot of things now that I didn't during the original run of ECW because. As much as I like ECW, until we started doing this this show, to be perfectly honest with our listeners, again, I like ECW, but ECW of the big three promotions of the 90s is probably the one that I've rewatched the least, you know? And so going back now as we do the podcast, there are lots of things that I noticed that I never have noticed before because I've just no I don't I haven't watched ECW as intently as I watch, say, like rewatch 90s episodes of Raw or 80s episodes of Primetime or WCW Nitro or whatever. Just I don't know. Not dog in ECW. It's just not it hasn't been the rewatch thing for me. Yeah. So yeah, it is kind of cool, like you said, to notice new things that you didn't you didn't notice before, or or something will happen. Then I go, oh, this is when that happened. You know what I mean? Like I didn't, I didn't, I don't have it ingrained in my memory. Where I'm sure somebody like like Ian Totten, who was like super hardcore ECW fan, he'd probably be like, yeah, dummy, of course that's when it happened. <laughs> but anyway, um, so unless you have anything else on Raven's promo here. Nope. I would have sided with him too. After that, we get um, fan cam footage. And normally I am not a fan of fan cam footage. Because much like with TV shows and stuff, I'm normally not a fan of shaky footage of things. This situation work, worked very well as fan cam footage. Um, essentially they're showing us, um, moments from a Shane Douglas Raven match and why this works as fan cam footage is because of the, it, it needs to look insane because it is insane with Brian Pillman showing up out of nowhere, taunting Shane Douglas. Shane Douglas is pissed at Brian Pillman. They're both quote unquote, the loose cannon. Um, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but the fan cam thing worked for this. 
It did. And and Pillman was for some reason had a camera. Like not a video yeah. camera, but a Taking like a photo picture. camera. And looked like he was smoking a Virginia Slim. Like I don't know <laughs> what was going on. But um it did work and um it was a novel idea and a cool idea to have him just keep showing up at random shows and stuff like that. You know, it's just, it worked. And, um, reason they were having to do this is because he's hurt right at this moment. So mm-hmm. it's, I believe the accidents already happened, hasn't it? Or did that um, happen when he signed with WWF? Well, I, okay. So this is February. He signs with the WWF in like June ish. And I cannot remember if the accident happened because I know the accident happened. The accident happened before he does the press conference announcing that he signed with the WWF before they shoot that yeah. whole thing. Um, but I cannot remember if he's had it by now or not, to be honest with you, from memory. But because I, I know he had the accident and everybody thought that they weren't going to. If I remember right, the accident happened and they thought like the the rumors were that it wasn't going to happen and WWF was like we're not going to not sign a guy cuz he got in a fucking car accident you know what i mean mm-hmm. that'd be pretty shitty but yeah i can't remember if it's can't remember if he got in it when he went it doesn't i mean it doesn't matter in the timeline i'm sure we'll figure it out eventually but i don't think he ever actually has a match in ECW though i i believe you're correct Let's see here. Okay. The accident the accident happened on April 15th. Okay. So we're still a couple of months from the accident. Now, but I don't know. I don't know at this point, as far as wrestling goes, if there was anything contractually with his release from WCW that would have kept him from wrestling. No, that's what I was saying. He got a he like when I he know got he got released, he got released. Like he had a no cot, like no no clause release. Like like that's how he sold it to Bischoff. He was like, I can't be this loose cannon character and go out and do my own thing if everybody knows that I have like a conditional release from you. It's got to be I'm so insane. You want to get rid of me completely? <laughs> have no ties to me whatsoever. That's the only way it's going to work. And I can leave for like six, seven months and then come back and be the biggest thing in the world. And he signed with Vince. (laughs) (laughs) It's fucking amazing. It's one of the greatest things any wrestler's ever done. It's cooler than Kevin Nash going into Kevin Sullivan's office and saying, look, man. Yeah. I'm giving up the business. You've done what I can with. I appreciate it. You know what you've given me's been good, but I just can't seem to do it. And I gotta, I gotta hang it up. I'm gonna go home. All right. And then two days later, he's on a roll. <laughs> you know that's the funny thing about like one of the best things about Click to me is I love the fact that all the guys in the Click, I absolutely positively respect the fact that they. <laughs> Work the business like a business, like, and they yeah. did not give a fuck. They were like, "I don't, I don't care if if the promoters a little butt hurt." I, you know, Kevin Ash is probably like, "I'm gonna go to the WWF 
And I don't care if Kevin Sullivan's a little butt hurt when I show show up on the WWF and I lied to him or whatever. Because guess what? It didn't matter, did it? Three years later, they came begging for him to come back. Yeah. In Kevin's mind, he's probably like, I'm never going to see that little fucker again. Yeah. Like, and in and, Kevin Sol- in Kevin Sullivan's mind, once he's, I bet Kevin Sullivan, once he saw Nash on WWF TV, was like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> you know, because he's old school. Slick mother, slick motherfucker. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, and, and that's what Pillman did. He worked Bischoff and got exactly what he wanted out of it. And I'm not saying that car, that car accident is what basically ended his career, but. Anyway, we're getting in the beat. We're getting off the beaten path, and and really, ultimately, led to the end of his life. It was the beginning. It was the beginning of the you know the downward spiral. Yeah. Um. So the next thing we get on the ECW show is J.T. Smith playing up the Italian gimmick as he is facing Axel Rotten, and we know a couple of weeks ago or last week on the show, I don't remember which these two had a confrontation. Um, I enjoy piece of shit JT Smith. Like, I enjoy, he's great. I enjoy JT, like, hey, Paisa, how you doing? Hits a guy with a microphone, like, <laughs> yeah, you, you don't get what it, you don't understand what he's saying, but you understand what he's doing. Like, I, it, it's a, it's a good gimmick, and um. Todd talks about it in his book. He was like, you know, there's a lot of Italians in uh, in Philly, you know. They all love Rocky. And he goes, and he made no bones about it that he was like, you know, it was, he could have had, you know, like he, 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 he yeah, sorry. He makes no bones about it that he knew an African-American guy pretending to be Italian would piss everybody off. Mm-hmm. But he also knew like JT was, was bad enough to do it. You know what I mean? And, um, I know. Yeah. And I know we talked a lot about and made fun of JT and everything like that, but, um, and we all wonder like why he stuck around and why never, why they never got rid of him or whatever. And it's actually a pretty noble reason. I think, did, did I tell you this? I don't believe so. Well, like I said, I don't know this firsthand. I just read to, or listened to Todd's book. Um, there was a show that Todd did that was supposed to be like this big deal, and it and it it floundered. It was one of those bar shows or whatever. Actually, I remember what it was now. Um, they were going to do the wrestling show at one of the bars, and the bars owner came in and said you can't let anybody 21 or under in here and it's like we're a wrestling show you know it's like we're gonna have like 17 year olds and 16 like and he was like nope like we can't we can't even risk it so they had like they had like 50 people there or whatever Mm -hmm. and all the guys wanted to get paid but guess what one guy said one guy was like, nah, like he tried, he paid everybody that he could. And then he said, there was one guy that wouldn't take a check. And it was JT. JT looked at him and said, you lost your ass on this man. You can't afford to pay me. 
And I mean, Todd was like, and you know, Todd told him, or basically said, he's like, I know a way that I can pay you. And he gave him a fucking jab at the yeah. at the pawn shop. And he's like, when shit turns around, he's like, you can you can come on the shows and work. And as long as I got a job, you got a job. And I'm like, you know what? Not a lot of people would do shit like that. So on both sides. I kinda, it, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like you take care of me, so I'm gonna take care of you, and and it worked out because I, like I said, I don't, he didn't have much after Todd left, but like you said, well, the whole I mean, Italian gimmick school, yeah, and and I mean, he, you know, they rolled with him with the FBI thing for a while. Yeah, he got he got he got a he got a decent little little. He's one of those guys that he ECW is as far as he went. You know, you never saw. I don't think JT ever even. I don't think JT was ever one of those guys that wound up making any appearances in in WCW. Not that I know of. No, because there are some guys where you'll be like, yeah, that guy was just ECW forever. And then you see like, oh, well, there was like three weeks where they did work for WCW. <laughs> Not a lot of that with the WWF, but with WCW. No. Um, it's funny, though, because I was watching some 92 um Saturday nights and Mustafa Saeed is on there. And it's mm-hmm. Mustafa, yeah, and his neon green, neon green regular trunks. Yeah, it's I think funny it's funny. Like, Must- like yeah, I was just about to say. I, I literally, I believe, I believe I saw an episode where like Mustafa Saeed team with George South. Like it was like yeah. Mustafa from the Gangsters versus like Mullet <laughs> George South, or with teaming with Mullet George South. But yeah, so yeah, I've seen some of that too. It's funny. Um, but this match with JT and Axel, it goes to the outside to start with Axel kind of choking out JT. The fans are hand- handing Axel weapons to hit JT with. Am I wrong in my notes that he broke like a jar of spaghetti sauce over JT's head? I thought it was a beer can, but it might have been spaghetti sauce. I th- now see, and that's why I said, "Am I wrong?" Because I swear, after it happened, it wasn't blood. There was like it looked like like goop, like red goop on the top of JT's head, but okay. it wasn't blood. Bu- okay, I thought he busted him open. It must have been ragu or something. <laughs> it's in there, <laughs> prego. But yeah, so but yeah, they they do the brawl around the ring for a while. Um, JT makes a comeback. He actually does a spot where he plays off of his clumsiness, where he you missed fall- you missed the you missed the celebrity. I guess I did. Joey even mentioned it in commentary. They show Leon Spinks out in the crowd. You don't you don't remember that? It's real quick. No, you probably didn't recognize it because he looks like a Seven Eleven hobo. Like he looks terrible, but they're like, "Oh, there's Leon Sphinx," and they were gonna, and and it's just real quick, and it was it really was him, but he looked he looked terrible. Like looked he looked like he was just part of the ECW crowd, yeah. But um, anyway, no, I didn't catch that. Um, of course, like I told you before we went on the air, my week got ahead of me this week, folks. So I just watched the episode real quick this afternoon. So I might have yeah. been looking at another yeah. screen or my phone or something when that happened. But Leon not Sphinx is in the crowd, and he looks like a crackhead. <laughs> um, but yeah, JT does a spot where he plays off on his clumsiness, 
and he falls, quote unquote, falls off the ropes with a chair in his hands. But he's actually he was playing possum, and he cracks Axel with the chair, um, and gets the pin on Axel. And then he does a hell of a moonsault with the chair onto Axel. Also, yeah. actually got a pot from the crowd. The the essentially and then afterwards, of course, JT's perennial rival. I think they've been feuding for like it seems like JT and Hack have had this little off and on the jobber to the stars feud between each other for like a year and a half. It feels like. Yeah, these are the these are their homegrown guys. These are the guys that you know. They're. They're not the dirt bike kid and and Drudge Dread at the beginning of the show, but they're the they're the middle of the card guys that you know. Um, how do I want to say that? Like, they're the ECW guys that are gonna be at the fucking target. You know what I mean? Yeah. Selling the tickets once they clock like out. That. Yeah. Well, well, I'm saying like even as like a promotional thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. They clock out. Yeah. But but yeah, they're they're those guys. You know what I mean? That's what they're, that's what the cact. Well, I was gonna say Cactus Jack wouldn't be at the 7 Eleven hawking tickets, but Mick Foley probably would. Yeah, he probably would. <laughs> um, so then our next match, or technically our main event for the show, is a match between Shane, Gluck, Shane Douglas and Cactus Jack. We get Joey Styles giving us a little history lesson about these two. Uh, you know, training, which, I mean, they've discussed it before, but he, he's kind of recapping for maybe those of you that have not been watching ECW, the history between Shane Douglas and Cactus Jack training together, and then a nice little new wrinkle to the story. They brought in Brian Hildebrand to be the referee for this match. Yeah, and this is what they originally wanted to do, too. This was their... They never got to pay this off before because Shane left before they could do it. You know, they never got to have, like, they built the Cactus Jack, Shane Douglas thing out, but they never got to be able to give, like, the big, the big payoff to it. So that's mm -hmm. what this is. The match is good. Brian Hildebrand. Brian Hildebrand. Uh, um, uh, Bobby Heenan dubbed him the world's most dangerous referee. Because that Nitro and that fan tried to get in the ring, remember that? Yeah, a fan tried to get in that ring and fucking Hildebrand fucking went drop down and put a fucking rear chin lock on her or whatever and choked the motherfucker out. Yeah, what <laughs> a like, little guy in the ring was boom, he was on it. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure most people that at that time would not have even realized that little Mark Curtis was actually you know shooter. Yeah, shooter. He trained with Cactus Jack and Shane Douglas. They trained under Dominic Danucci. Like they just see this little dude, little dude looks like a lollipop with his big head, Mark <laughs> Curtis and his suspenders yeah. as the referee. He looks, like the, he looks like the mouse guy from fucking Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, yeah. I mean I'm not making fun, but that's what Wasn't he that looks guy, like. You know what was I mean? that was that the guy was that guy on evening shade too? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Cool fella. Yeah. That's what he looked like. Like, you wouldn't expect that guy to just take a motherfucker down. <laughs> and Bobby Heenan fucking loved it, man. 
at uh what well, he worked as uh what was he in? he did something in memphis he's cowabunga the turtle yes yeah, he was one of the original he was the original guy to dress up like a ninja turtle but yeah <clears throat> said you wouldn't expect that this dude is a guy that could take a motherfucker down but he could do it but go ahead but yeah, and that's that. You know, they 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 put that wrinkle in the story there because, like I said, um, Hildebrand also trained with Dominic Danucci, came out of the same class as Shane Douglas and Cactus Jack. To be honest with you, I don't know if anybody else we would know of came out of that that class. Um, but those three all all came out of the same class. The match itself, I mean, it starts out. You know, maybe the first, I don't know how many minutes they showed us of the match. I think they showed quite a bit of the match on TV, like a, at least 15 minutes of the show was this match. Um, yeah, that's a good match. Oh, very good match. And they 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 pace it well, too, because it does kind of start out as, I'm not saying there isn't any brawling, but obviously with Douglas and Mick, both two guys that know how to work with a referee in there that really knows how to work. The match builds very well, this match. It builds from, you know, kind of chaotic to very chaotic as it goes along. I was just looking here. There was a spot that I wrote down. Shan's crossbody. Oh, no. Um, no. I put down the... Uh, is this is this match? Have we seen the ankle in the chair spot before from anybody else? Like you talking about, like when Steve did it to Brian, that thing. Yeah, what eventually would be called the Pillman. I mean, I, not that I know of. Okay, because I wrote down. For some reason, it just stuck out to me that Shane Douglas did the, you know, he did the the he put he put uh, uh, Cactus's ankle in the in the chair, and I was just wondering, like, is this the first time that that at least that I know of that someone did this? Probably, I'm sure Shane probably saw it somewhere, you know, in a fucking territory. It might have been like in a territory somewhere or whatever, and. Like, oh, that was cool. How'd you do that? You know, mm -hmm. or maybe Shane fucking figured it out and he's the first one that did it. But I mean, Brian Pillman would have seen it, you know what I mean? So he might have right. seen it. Like, fuck it, let's steal it, you know? Yeah, yeah, so who that, knows? That's just, that's just what I was wondering because I'm like, eh, within about uh, what within about a within a year, Steve Austin's gonna do this shit to Brian Pillman in WWF, yeah, and everybody steals. Oh, yeah. Wrestling that's the only, no, that's the only yeah. wrestling ain't no different than only, TV or the movies. I was say that's the only way wrestling's different than comedy is that it's okay to steal in wrestling. You steal in comedy, you fucking knife you. But in wrestling, it's like yeah, nothing's new. Take it, make it better. We got 10 storylines, and that's about it. So let's just yeah. go with it. <laughs> Randy Orton walks up to DDP and says, Can I use your finisher? And DDP is like, do it, kid. <laughs> You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> take it to the bank. Now I bet he wishes he would have asked for a nickel for every time he did it. At this point, it's like I feel like Rick James when I told him to buy MC Hammer. You didn't have it. Give me ten grand. 
It's Rick Nickel James out of nowhere. Crack money. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Mick Foley does, or Cactus Jack does get a traitor chant from the ECW crowd because he's wearing a, you know, Uncle Vince t-shirt during this match. Uh, did you have any other notes, specific spots, or anything that you wrote down before we get to the whole finish sequence? Uh, not really. Just the um, two things got, well, I don't know if you were going to bring it up in the finish sequence, but two things got still in this match, and uh, we'll get to it. But go ahead. Well, essentially what happens for the finish of the match is um, Mick Foley's kind of, um, waylaying Shane Douglas with a chair. Shane's waylaying him with the chair. They do a couple of spots with the chair in the ring. A lot of integration of the chair here. But, and I know where you were going with the stolen thing, by the way. Um, Joey it's really stolen because he did it. He did it himself. But go ahead. Right, Tom. right, right. Lifted. Let's put it that way. It's, yeah. It, it's been it's been transferred. Um, yes. But Brian Hildebrand. Joey notices Brian Hildebrand hands something, hands something off to Shane Douglas. He doesn't know what it is. Looks metal. And then Cactus gets pissed and throws Hildebrand down because he kind of saw that some chicanery was going on there. And it turns out that uh, Shane Douglas was handed handcuffs by Brian Hildebrand. Douglas clocks Mick Foley with, I always say Mick Foley. It's Cactus Jack at this point. Clocks Cactus Jack with the handcuffs and then handcuffs how many times can i say handcuffs in one synopsis handcuffs cactus jack and starts waylaying cactus with some sick pretty sick chair shots not as sick as we would see in 1999 <laughs> but i, I yeah, still that's what got, i was gonna oh. say is it still show but it also shows um how much difference years make. You know what I mean? When that happened, Rock has been wrestling, what, three years? Yeah. Yeah. At this point, Shane's been wrestling 14. Like, he knows when a guy's looking at him and saying, okay, I'm done doing that That's now. That's enough, yeah. You know, it, it, like, I'm going to turn my back. Shane's not like, oh, I'm going to walk around, wallop him again. <laughs> like, he watched that shit and it's like, it's one of the craziest, I know we're not trying to talk about non-ECW stuff, but like, that rock shit, some of the great, like, when you're, when you were engrossed in watching it, you're like, this is one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. And the more you watch it, the more you're just like, what the fuck, Dwayne? Stop, like, you stop, didn't understand what this stop stop he is. He is, he is, he is literally turned his back to you and is running away on his knees. And you went around the long way just to wallop him again. It's like, Jesus fucking Christ, take a hint. <laughs> like, I would, if I was Mick, I'd be mad too that you didn't come in and say, sorry about that. You okay? Right. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Even, even, uh, even Vince came to check on him. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, that was, that was good and shit. Uh, you ever do that again yeah yeah that's it yeah that's what i was about to say i'm pretty sure if i remember right vince told him don't you ever fucking do that again yeah but i appreciate what he's like he basically like i appreciated what you did out there Vic. don't you ever do that shit again it's basically what he told him that was fucking insane 
But anyway. But yeah, when I was watching some of the couple of the chair shots, there's especially one that uh, Mick feeds himself into it for Shane. And, you know, looking back on it now, 20 something odd years later, you think to yourself, man, if we knew <laughs> what we know now about CTE and, and stuff like that, none of this shit ever would have happened or not, nothing like that yeah. ever would have happened ever. Yeah. Look at the shit Ken Shamrock did. Like, like it's. Why is it always the no. rock fucking wailings? <laughs> but it's like, back, like you said, I'm not a, I'm not a worker or anything, but I've heard enough of them say that back in the day, they were like, put your hands up. You're a pussy. I forget who it was. It said, I don't give a shit. I'm not doing that. Like, you're not going to hit me full blown. The fuck. I think it might've been, might have been Tully or somebody. It was like I, I put my hands up every time. I ain't taking it. That shit. But, but yeah, yeah. just I, I. It's one of the. It's one of the thing. It's one of the things in wrestling that I don't go like. Uh, like, why they take that away? You know, like I'm cool with it not being a thing now. Mm-hmm. The thing I don't like is. It's like, okay, great. They're not just going to bash guys in the head with chairs anymore. But then I'm also like, well, let's just not use it. Because yeah. to me, it's not believable that a guy would just continue to hit a guy in the back. And so it's like, let's just get rid of chairs altogether. Right. Because when a guy's beating him with it, it just seems unrealistic to me. Like, I don't, I don't think like... I think it's dumb the guy that they don't let guys blade. You know what I mean? As long as it's safe, I don't see the problem with it. But yeah, I can I can definitely I see, I, I, I can definitely see that changing sometime in the next couple of years, though. Well, Triple H has already said that he's gonna like. They asked him about that. They asked his blood coming back, and he's like, "It's gonna be back." He's like, "We're just gonna use it when it's needed." Mm-hmm. It's like it's not needed all the time. Yeah, because if you're gonna, if you, and I'm not saying that the match, that the matches, (laughs) excuse me, I'm not saying that the matches themselves that they've had haven't haven't been really exciting. But if you're going to do war games, if you're going to surround the ring with fence and steel, and people have these hatred blood feuds for each other, maybe somebody should bleed. Yeah. One or two of them. Yeah. Oh, that one guy. What was this? A German guy that was in Imperium and then they released him. Oh, shit. Yeah, I don't remember his name, but I know who you're talking about. He got he got busted wide fucking open and they pulled him out of the match. Like, they didn't even show, like, like the shit that he did was, like, I guess, like, super awesome. I, I, I can't remember what it was, but he got fucking busted wide open, and they were like, let's get him out of there. And you didn't even get to see it or nothing. It's like, God damn it. Well, the end of this match, yeah, essentially, um, they're at, the, uh, Brian Hildebrand and, and Shane Douglas are asking Cactus Jack to, excuse me, to submit. He starts calling for Vince, 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 which I thought was cool. And then I thought that was cool just from a comedic standpoint to get get heat with the crowd. 
But then from a story standpoint, he starts to call for Mikey Whipwreck, his former tag team partner. And um, he's calling for Mikey. Mikey, get out here and help me. Shane Douglas puts Cactus Jack in a figure four. And Mikey comes out, but he doesn't help Jack. <laughs> he, he clocks, clocks the ever-loving shit out of him. Yes. To a great pop from the crowd and cost Cactus Cat cost cactus jack the match and the the chair shot is very audible and um is setting up the ending of one of the coolest stories ever told in a wrestling promotion the relationship between cactus jack and mikey whipwreck yep um yeah because we're just we're literally less than two months away from the uh, from Mankind on WWF TV. He makes his debut the night after WrestleMania 12. They may even be running Mankind vignettes at this point on WWF TV. They are because there are like like Shane's calling him it and stuff. It's like, come on, Mankind. What kind of trash is that, Mankind? He's even saying that. So, yeah. And... Like I said, it's a great story because usually in wrestling, like the um, the the thing that's been created by the guy is usually like the heel in a situation. You know what I mean? But this time it's like Mick Foley, Cactus Jack is the bad guy, and now this guy that's beating his ass is the good guy, and he's the guy. And Mick created it. You know what I mean? Like yeah, before Mick got a hold of Mikey, he was a fucking wimpy little scared son of a bitch didn't want anything to do with it now he made him a man like i said usually like it's like a zabisco situation where the the student turns on the teacher and turns heel it's, it's like a it's like the other way around in this situation that's good shit pal the next match that we have on the show is taz versus joel hartgood of course taz Beats Joel Hartgood after a few suplexes. Um, he does declare that uh, Joel Hartgood is just another victim. And I, I didn't I didn't have any notes on the match itself. I just put Taz Taz pretty much lays waste to Joel Hartgood. Yeah, there's no notes. He dumped him on his head three times and beat him. He and gave him like two, one hope spot, and that was it. And then to put Taz over even, I, I do know, I did notice that uh, Joey is selling during commentary. You know, this is Taz ran nine one one out of W or out of ECW. He mentions Taz being friends with the Steiners, so he's, they're definitely putting they're put they're putting sauce on. You know what I mean? They're they're really heating Taz up here, and of course having Fonzie um, when all his charisma as his manager helps too. Um, yeah. And then just to build him up even more, Dino Sendoff, the Dirt Bike Kid, and Don E. Allen all come out to try to help Joel Hartgood. And the uh, they, they all eat some suplexes. And then the main event, or the, 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 the Ric Flair of that little group, <laughs> Mikey Whipwreck comes out. And uh, he kind of gets to work a little bit, obviously, with Taz and just a drop kick on him and a hip toss or whatever, but Taz winds up laying out Mikey also with a suplex as well. Yes. 
And then the Kata Hajime. Effective, effective, effective pro wrestling build up a heel segment for Taz. Yes, I agree. I don't know if I would have I don't know if I would have sacrificed Mikey, but it is what it is. I maybe would have picked somebody else, but not just me. And the desired result, or I don't know, I, I'm assuming it was a di- desired result because he is back in the company now. Um, that also inspires a Sabu chant from the crowd as well. Um, so this entire segment did exactly what it was supposed to do. And now we move on to our last segment, which you alluded to this last week. And they talked, I, obviously Joey talked about it during the intro and stuff, but you talked about last week how you thought this was around the time where Shane Douglas and Tommy Dreamer were going to strike their deal. Tommy Dreamer essentially making a deal with the devil. They poke fun kind of at the Dean Douglas thing with Shane Douglas at a chalkboard. Um, he addresses Cactus Jack. He addresses Brian Pillman. Then he addresses himself being the original loose cannon, and they show footage of him swearing in the ring, throwing the title down, le- d- 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 criticizing ECW, then coming back to ECW. And uh, I like the fact and I again, it's one of those things that I had forgotten because I haven't watched this in so long. I like the fact that they that as a character, from a character standpoint, Shane Douglas owned the fact that he said things bad about ECW and left and then wound up having to come back. Like he yeah. he owned it, you know. He was like, I'm a loose cannon. Remember all the shit I said about this company before I went to the WWF? <laughs> I just I like the fact that he boy was I wrong. Yeah, boy was I wrong. (laughs) But I I I enjoy that. That was a nice little a little wrinkle in the character that I had forgotten about because I always thought, oh, what a fucking hypocrite. But the and then he he talks about how he made a deal with Tommy Dreamer, and the deal was essentially that he is going to watch the back of no matter what happens with Raven Raven's nest, anything that would happen with Tommy and any of these other people that Raven's associated with what Douglas's objective is, is to make sure that Beulah and her baby are safe, which is why last week it was, it, it seemed like Shane Douglas left Tommy dreamer up shit Creek when he got, um, attacked by the Bruise Brothers because essentially Shane Douglas's Shane Douglas's job was is not to in any way, shape, or form protect Tommy at all. It's just to protect Beulah and the baby. Yes, which I love wrestling because any other thing would be like, what's the best way to protect you from being attacked by Raven and his goon squad? Oh, I know. How about you just don't. Come to the Stay arena. <laughs> Stay at yeah. your mom's house. <laughs> but in wrestling, I, it's like, I have to be there. You're contractually obligated to be there. So I'm going to make a deal with this guy. Yes, because I, I, need, I need you to be at ringside with me in the ECW arena while you're pregnant. Yes. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. <laughs> fucking love wrestling (laughs) and then after after shane douglas discusses the deal with tommy then like i said we get to wrap up the show 
with bad community theater acting from Tommy Dreamer. And he needs to use... Okay, and this is stupid. I'm just... I don't know why I'm a stickler for such things. To me, it's more effective at this point to... Don't you think it's more effective to refer to it as a baby and not a kid? Yeah, it's not a kid yet. It's a baby. Yes, and also, doesn't baby sound more vulnerable? But Tommy Dreamer yeah. keeps saying it's your job to protect Beulah and the kid. Beulah and the kid. I'm like, say baby. I don't know why it bothered me so much. But I'm like, say baby. Protect the baby. It's like, it's like you're a wrestler. At any other point when it's not appropriate to say baby, you say baby. <laughs> you call grown men baby. And you can't call your baby a baby? Oh, God. <sighs> is your baby even going to call you daddy? Or is this going to be father? Hello, father. So overall, what did you think of this episode of ECW? I enjoyed it. Um, it was all right. I liked the, the Shane... Um, Cactus Jack stuff and Taz build was good, and it just it felt like a middle ground show, and it didn't really kind of like it didn't really. I almost said, well, it didn't really build on anything, but it's not supposed to because it's a blow off. Because like you got to remember, we're watching clips from a from a from a big show. You know what I mean? So. It worked. I I agree too. Like, if I'm giving it, if I'm giving the t, if I'm giving this show a, a like a a letter grade, I'd say C plus. Like you said, it was it was average, you know. And the the main event, actually, maybe I'll give it a B because the main event match was good. Getting Taz over was effective. JT and Axel was fine. There wasn't anything on the show other than Tommy's stupid promo at the end that even bothered me. So, um, yeah, I like this show. Um, and I know next week uh, we're going to be doing the episode of ECW from March 5th, 96. And I saw on the screen capture, I'm pretty excited because it looks like we're getting Sabu versus Too Cold next week. All right. That's never bad. Yeah. So we'll be getting that. And, um, well, that's it. That's it for the show. Unless you have any parting words for our listeners this week. Nope, not really. Just thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Keep supporting us. Keep supporting the show. Um, if you listen to your podcasts on YouTube, I am pretty much it's it's usually either the day of or the day after it lands on the other podcast platforms. I have uh, been uploading the shows to YouTube on the WNR Podcast Network page there as well. So just so you know, it's there on YouTube if you want to watch it there or listen to it, I guess. There's no video. It's just a just the logo and our voices. But anyway, that being said, thank you for joining us, everybody. We'll see you next week as we continue our journey through ECW here on Reliving the Extreme. Have a great week. Motherfuckers.